all bad things. Tragedy. Tragedies, disasters. That's bad things. Trigger warning for everything possible. What? Hello. <laughs> I'm David. I'm Rachel. And this is All Bad Things. Another reverse episode. Uh, two in a row. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Except this one you did the research for. I did. The last one I was just requested to basically be the stenographer. Well, narrator. Stenog- narrator. Yes. yes. <laughs> the stenographer is the person who takes the notes. I think so. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Abby's script was fantastic. It was very funny. <laughs> it definitely had her personality all over yes. it. Yes. When she tweeted about it and she was like... I'm getting to it. Just wait. Because how many times did I like say something and then that was the next thing in the script? Mm-hmm. I was like, I wonder what that is in today's dollars. And sure enough, she. <laughs> the very next line was yes. a breakdown of what that was in today's dollars. She knows us well. Yes, she does. Very well. I thought that was a super. It was fun to have someone else do the research and write the script writing and and have it read like that. I was going to say I thought that was a fun episode, but no. So if somebody it's wants a copy, fun, somebody wants a copy of Abby's script. Oh we, yeah, we will run it by her and make sure it's okay. We need Abby to sign the script for us. Oh, that's true. Yeah, yeah. that oh. would make sense. So Abby, do you have a printer, or do we need to send it to you? Either way. <laughs> so follow us on all of your favorite social medias. All the social medias. Insta, um, Facebook. <laughs> I was forgetting. Insta, Facebook, and Twitter. Twitter. At all bad things pod mm-hmm. and at gmail at all bad things pod.com. At all bad things pod at gmail.com. At, yes, whatever. It's on the gmail. <laughs> yes, we technically have a website, but we don't talk about that at the moment. No, we don't uh, talk we'll about that. We'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. Um, uh, are we good to do some housekeeping? Oh, absolutely. We've yeah. got a pile of good um, messages. Um, yeah, we threw the bad ones out. <laughs> no, we don't get bad messages. Everybody's nice. Everyone, in all honesty, the only people, there's only one person who has ever reached out to us specifically to say something negative, and it was when I made a joke about dead children, which, oh, uh, yeah. and even that she was, she no, was reasonable made, about. You made a joke about the value of dead children. Yeah, <laughs> even Jesse is a little <laughs> yes. like, what? Um, anyway. Uh, so otherwise, Mon- monetary value of dead children. Yes. Not, yes. Know. Otherwise, people who reach out are very uh, supportive, <clears throat> and we appreciate that. Um, can't say the same for people who leave reviews, but oh well. Yeah, I stumbled across somehow like a, a site that had compiled all of our reviews. <laughs> I, I thought it was pretty oh, funny. No. I, 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 oh no! Like I said, I don't like if somebody leaves a one star. Like the one thing I remember is. Um, uh, it was something like, yeah, they say um and this and that too much. And I'm like, well, just start your own podcast since you're yeah. a pro. Yeah. Let's you see know? how, how well you narrate. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure you're fantastic. So like as far it. as the negatives, like I, I, some of them are funny to read. <laughs> they are kind of There funny. were several that were like, uh, Rachel, get rid of David. <laughs> oh, that would never happen. Never, never, never. There is no all bad things without you. So Jesse's in here with us. Just so you know who's whining. That's not Demetrius. Jesse. It's Jesse, who's now looking at me like, what? And it's not Cat. No, it's not Cat. Cat is in his room. We've had some confrontations the past few days. We're working on it. Um, and Demetrius is actually the one good boy in the Yes, as, as usual. Situation. My cat. <laughs> so we recorded our HIV and AIDS episodes pretty far in advance. And those were sort of evergreen episodes, like we didn't mention anything topical. Not really. Yeah. No. So we've got kind of several weeks worth of messages here that I've been meaning to bring up on the air. So, um, and a bunch of them are are uh, Chernobyl related because the miniseries came sure. out during that period too. So, which, um, which I thought was excellent, really good. I saw the first episode and really wasn't super interested in continuing. How do you feel like the rest of the the miniseries went in relation to the first episode? Was the first episode not as good as the. I thought they. The I thought they were all strong in their own way. The the thing for me about the miniseries, I don't know why it didn't feel this way uh, when we were doing our 
uh, recording of Chernobyl. Mm-hmm. I think maybe because it was four parts. I think it was a lot of stuff we just didn't understand. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, But out of the miniseries, what I got out of it was the gravity of the situation, uh-huh. which I didn't necessarily get mm-hmm. when we did it. I think mm-hmm. it's because we were talking about it and not sitting down listening oh, to fair something. Oh, yeah. But the... Uh, I think the first episode hit on that. By the time it gets to the third episode, it's just like, Jesus fucking Christ. Yeah, how like, bad how the fuck? Yeah. This, like, this is really, like, catastrophically bad. I think the other thing is, I'm actually not a huge fan of depressing movies and shows. Like, I'm, I don't, I'm not. <laughs> it but gets the, a little too dark and heavy. But here was the weird thing. Like, I was thinking throughout this whole miniseries, I was like, like, you know what? This might have ultimately been the thing that brought down the USSR because they well, couldn't be secretive. And it was, it it was Gorbachev. That's yeah. what they had um, at the very last episode like when they were epilogue. doing like the epilogue. That's what he said. I was like, no shit. Yeah, that's I was pretty. Like, I was on the same page with Gorbachev. <laughs> but really, because, because this was such a disaster, mm-hmm. it was something they couldn't keep a secret. And that's what the whole USSR yeah. was about. It was the veil of secrecy. True. That's so. true. That's true. So, um, one of our uh, longtime listeners and a frequent messenger, which I appreciate, Eric, pointed out um, that, do you remember when we did our episode, we mentioned that Chernobyl is Russian for Wormwood? Oh, yeah. Yes, yeah. we did. Yeah. And, and uh, he pointed out that Wormwood is the key flavoring used in absinthe. Oh. Which is very interesting. I've never had it. Um, it's illegal in the United States, I'm pretty sure. He said once outlawed, absinthe is now legal. Oh, is it? Oh, okay. Although it apparently some people experience hallucinogenic effects. That's yeah. <laughs> so, I've heard of some pretty strong that's shit. That's interesting. So thanks for um, mentioning that. Well, Eric. let's go try some. <laughs> no, let's not and say we didn't. <laughs> Jeez. Um, do you remember when people always said that? Let Let's not and say we did. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway. I, like, I liked your twist on it. Let's not say we didn't. <laughs> oh, that's an old one, too. <laughs> um, this one, I'm not going to actually read the the substance of the email because I'm not sure that it was meant for general consumption. I just want to give a shout out to Beverly. So thank you for your nice message, Beverly. Um, Teddy, of mm-hmm. course. Our female mail, ma- female mail carrier. <laughs> female I can never carrier. say those words together correctly. <laughs> It it was uh, super sweet. She's always good for encouragement. She she said that she loves our side talk and passion. Oh, thank you. That's nice. Um, I think we were speculating about the queen and was the queen alive or whatever. That was me. (laughs) She is is alive. Her teddy, she is 93 years old. Yeah, I knew she was old. She still puts in a full day of work every day and still rides her horses. And then she said 45, meaning you know who, can't even walk a fucking golf course. I was just thinking the same thing that's more than our president does. serious. But then again, they're not all that far apart in age. I think he Mm -hmm. just turned 73. So, um, she also says something funny about, so we were talking about princess Diana mm-hmm. who did a lot for, um, for AIDS, for AIDS yes. awareness. Yes. Uh, and she said, Diana was a beacon for people who wanted to see Royals as real people. Her compassion for the less fortunate was a gift and she was an idiot as well. <laughs> <laughs> talking more about like ex- expecting Charles to not step out on her, I guess. Although, to my knowledge, they both I, did that on each other. Anyway. I, I know nothing about that. Um. Oh, this I didn't know, that Ronald and Nancy Reagan deserted their old friend Rock Hudson at the end of his life. Remember, he died of AIDS? Uh, yeah, he but had he... traveled to Paris to seek an experimental treatment that wasn't yet available in the U.S. Mm-hmm. The hospital refused to admit him because he wasn't a French citizen. So his people reached out to the Reagans in the hope that a word from the sitting president would persuade the head of the hospital. And they refused. That's weird because Reagan was on the tarmac when he got on the plane to go to, to, go to Paris. He was. I, I have no idea. I literally yeah, have no that's, idea. That's strange. Yeah. I, didn't, I did not know that. Well... Yeah, but maybe he wasn't going to give him a word. I, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Um, can't can't be a friend with those gays in 1985. Mm. Or I think that's when he died. Uh, she also said, maybe at some point you could mention one of my heroes in the sports world and a powerful speaker on many subjects, including living with HIV. Can I guess who it is? Yeah. Greg Luganis? Yes. Oh, okay. I, I I was. He was like the one person we kind of left out. I, okay. I, I kind of remember that. As I we had never to heard our, of him, but mm-hmm. per 
Per Teddy, she's the great. He was the greatest diver in history, mm-hmm. or it is still the greatest diver in history. His performance in the 1988 Seoul Olympics still gives me chills. I remember the shot of him sobbing on his coach's shoulder after his last dive. We all thought it was just emotion brought on by his amazing performance after his wins in 1984. His high scores, even after hitting his head on the board during one I was one just dive. going to mention he did hit really? his head on the board. Mm-hmm. I think that was an 88 as well. And the prospect of winning several gold medals. No one except his coach knew that he then that he was gay, much less HIV positive. An abusive partner had given him the virus. Greg knew this was his last Olympics and at the time didn't know that the ability to live with the virus would soon be possible. He's 59 today. Oh, that's good. Oh, he's still around. Yeah, oh, devastatingly I didn't know that. Okay. handsome. Married since 2013 and an activist, among other things. Oh, that's nice. Fantastic. Yeah, he hit the... Greg Luganus? Luganus. Luganus. He hit the back of his head. Um, just barely. Like, but it was yeah. but it was enough. I'm pretty sure he had to get stitches after that. Mm-hmm. And, and that... Because that was what was replayed a lot during that Olympics. Mm. And that's what made me realize, like, wow, there's a choreography to diving, too, Oh, my goodness. There? A precise <laughs> yes. choreography. It, it terrifies me. <laughs> yeah, I would do it. because I read uh, Johnny Erickson Tata's book, too. Yeah, yeah. And plus, I cannot hold a dive to save my life. So <laughs> there, there is something impressive about people who can. Um, our friend Masha, I hope I'm pronouncing that right, uh, gave a really good... We, we must have brought up roller coasters at some point. I don't... I feel like we did, but I don't remember the context or... Anyway... Um, she mentioned, uh, that she basically cured herself of a fear of heights Mm -hmm. by riding roller coasters. And now she's a big roller coaster fan. (laughs) That that was an interesting thing. (laughs) She first considered doing therapy, but then she said, uh, I'm impatient. I didn't want to wait a year for the therapy place. So she just did her own exposure therapy. Go for it. (laughs) Um, quick mention, if you have more questions. For our potential Q&A, another mini-sode, banter-sode we might do. You still have time to get those in. Um, I'm going through my <laughs> notes and realizing the scripts I still need to send out. Um, this, actually, I might save this one. Uh, Sarah Q, the, um, the Orthodox Jew from NYU, yes. <laughs> made a All Bad Things bingo board. That's fantastic. It's very funny. Yes, that. very perfect. Um, again from Teddy about 10 cent beer night. Oh, okay. <laughs> she just opens with LOL. <laughs> I actually really enjoyed the history part of this episode. <laughs> um, so she is a Diamondbacks fan. She okay. lives in Arizona. I was remember? just going to say she yeah. must live there because I don't know anybody outside of Arizona that is one. And we hate the Yankees. Well, it yeah. doesn't everybody except for Yankees. They, uh, they beat the Yankees for their only World Series title. Mm-hmm. The 2001 series win was epic. It's only eclipsed by the even more epic shit show that became the Tam... Oh, that became of the Tam team, I think. Team. When the co-owners banded together to boot Jerry Colangelo mm-hmm. and take over the team. It hasn't been the same since. Yeah, Colangelo at the time also owned the Phoenix Suns. And I believe he also owned the what at the time was the Phoenix Coyotes. She is also doesn't like that they traded ball... Paul Goldschmidt to St. Louis. Yeah, I I'm sorry, Teddy. I don't follow baseball hardly at all anymore. Not That's even okay. close to what I'm, I'm, I'm I have no heard. Idea of, what I'm saying. I have so. heard of him. I believe he's a shortstop. And they also got rid of our colors. So instead of ha- having cool purple, teal, copper, we have the same boring red that every other team has. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and then finally, this is a long one, but this is this is super interesting. Pepcon input from a Las Vegas native. Oh, okay. Definitely want to hear this. So this is from Chrissy. Uh, And so she, oh, I think I may have mentioned this before because she did tweet us that she was little and living in Mm -hmm. Vegas or in the Vegas area. Yes, when the Pepcon explosion happened um, and it blew out her eardrums Mm -hmm. and her siblings as well. So, the news told us of the fires and my parents were glued to the TV. My mother actually made my dad drive out towards the factory to see if he could see anything. He was on a dirt hill when he got out of his truck to look upon the burning factory. Him and another onlooker not only witnessed the blast, but were thrown against their vehicles when the shockwave hit. Which one? 
Right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> there were several. My that, dad, that is still the craziest fucking thing I've ever seen. My dad told my mom for years that she knew it was going to blow and that she was trying to kill him. <laughs> <laughs> Legend has it that the death toll was so low because Roy Westerfield, remember mm-hmm. the guy who stayed, refused to leave the factory until he personally checked every room to make sure every single one of his employees made it out. He's a fucking hero. Rumor has it that Bruce Hawker was the last guy Roy found and that he just didn't make it out in time. Mm, that's too bad. Yeah. There was a third death related to the shock blast that hit a motorist traveling on a nearby bridge. I didn't know that. And she, she was having a hard time finding any more in, um, uh, information on that. The site was a huge black crater for years. Yeah. No kidding. And then they, uh, as I had said, they built a dealership. On top yes, of it. Yes, car dealership. And she and her husband bought a Toyota Corolla yep. from it. <laughs> also, that site, um, that um, explosion was used in the video game Fallout th- Fallout New Vegas, mm. which takes place in a um, futuristic uh, Las Vegas wasteland, but it was known as the Repcon building. Oh, oh, that's a, that's a, no one can tell what that's supposed to no. be. <laughs> Zach, the, the, thank you, Zach, for sending me that on Twitter. Oh, that's right, yeah. Because I never, I never played Fallout New Vegas. Mm, so, but mm-hmm. he's like, he's like, I'm thinking this is the same that's building. That's right. I'm yeah. like, it's got to be because they do use in those games mm-hmm. actual landmarks. Mm-hmm. Um, she said schools began a new drill in the '90s. I asked my husband if he had them. He's from Texas, and he said that the that they hella didn't do this fucked up drill ever. They called it some variation of a shelter in place, and they still practice it. We have three sons in elementary, middle, and high school, and they say it's boring. The drill was everyone had limit had to limit communication and only whisper when absolutely necessary. All lights and air must be turned off in the room. The doors, windows, and vents had to be duct taped shut. Everyone had to either lay on the floor or sit with their heads down and take only short breaths as to maximize available air. We were told it's for when there are, quote, deadly gas leaks outside. I was going to say, except for the uh, short breaths part, which makes sense for a deadly gas leak, it almost sounds like it could be an active shooter drill as well. She literally brings that up in the next, uh, next paragraph. Oh. Now they practice even more new drills for when they have active shooters on campus. She said, that's another great subject for Rachel Rance. I personally am looking forward to the new segment. <laughs> so anyway, thank you, Christy. So, yes, thank you very much. Yeah, thank you to everybody. Yes, yes, absolutely. So that's um, allbadthingspod at gmail.com. Dot com. Dot com. Dot org. So what are you beveraging on Ooh, tonight? Oh, yes. I found another new Commonwealth. They are possibly my new favorite brewery, Commonwealth Brewing Company. I also visited their website, and they have, I'm not even kidding you, 100 plus varieties of beer. Wow. That Over the years. I sure. mean, like, not that they're always available. Yeah, we'll, we'll get up there this summer. Yeah. Hopefully. But this is the Tinta Rosa Sangria Style Gosa made with plums, pomegranate, raspberry, and orange. Did I try that one? You did is not. That, it uh, is let me good. Try that. Sounds it, good. It's a little sour, but it's fantastic. I think it's very good. Ah, that is good. It's nice, yes, isn't it? It is. They, yeah. they do make good beer. They do. I am having the Railwalk, which is out of Salisbury, North Carolina. Oh, I didn't know that. Where nice. is where is that? I'm not Salisbury sure. Salisbury is, um, I want to say, southwest of here. Okay. Like, not Charlotte quite. On, it's on the way. I feel like it's one of those, you know, like, where's Dunn? Where's Benson? <laughs> Nobody really knows. I feel like it's on the way south. It's in the state. <laughs> I feel like you pass through it if you're heading down. I know I've seen signs for it. I think you're right. Yeah, I think it is on the way to Charlotte. Yeah. Or something. But anyway, this is the Railwalk Cayenne Imperial Stout, and it is very peppery tasting. Yeah, I, I guess a, you didn't like it, but I I, I, I don't mind it. it. I don't mind it. It's just, it's a heavy one. It is. Yes, it's a... 10.9 or something. Yeah. So let's see how my reading skills <laughs> hold up on this one, seeing as I how I couldn't read Abby's very well in a couple of different... And all I was having that night was not National this. local? No, I think I had a something else. It's in the fridge, the Pixan... Oh, the left-hand yeah. one. Mm-hmm. Out of Colorado. But anyway, right. let's get into oh. said topic. Or yes, maybe not. which I actually don't... <laughs> You are so less patient with me than I am with you. 
Not necessarily, but after 19 minutes and 58 seconds. Well, let me say what I was going to okay. say then. Yes. So I printed out this research, but I did manage to not quite see what it was. The only thing I got an impression of was that it starts with a K, mm-hmm. and it there it's perhaps Russian. It is Russian. Okay, okay. Yes. But otherwise, I have no clue. Okay. So... As you notice from the title, because you see the title before you click on it, but it is very vague as to what this could be. This is the Kishtim disaster. The Kishtim disaster. The Kishtim disaster was a radioactive contamination accident that occurred on September 29th, 1957 at Mayak, a plutonium production site in Russia, or actually the USSR, in 1957. Mm. Mm-hmm. For nuclear fuel processing and also for the development of nuclear weapons. You did mention this. This is the least known about nuclear nuclear disaster disaster slash meltdown slash whatever you want to call it. Okay. Seeing as how Chernobyl is out there in people's minds these days, thanks to the miniseries, Mm -hmm. uh, because I'm sure there are a lot of teenagers and 20-somethings that have no idea what the hell Chernobyl was. Well, I mean... I'm not a teenager that's or true. 20 you, something, and I was. You were really young. I was yeah. a baby when yeah. this happened. I was so, like yeah. 10 when it happened, but I remember it. So My s- parents weren't even alive when this one happened. Right, so. yes. So, since this disaster occurred in what was then the Soviet Union during one of the more tense periods of the Cold War, the Soviet Union did not even acknowledge that this disaster even occurred until 1989. Wow, that doesn't, it doesn't surprise me, mm-hmm. especially because these were early days of the mm-hmm. Cold War. Yes. So, and this kind of seems to um, relate to what you alluded to as to the um, the USSR, it's like a, the Iron it's Curtain, a, it's right? a veil of secrecy. Yeah. And the only reason Chernobyl got out there was because... Other countries other detected countries, it. Yes, could detect Sweden, Norway or whatever. I think whoever. it was Sweden or was what? Yeah, yeah, I think it was Sweden. They're like, mm-hmm. uh, hey, uh, <laughs> so, so you want to tell us about this? Yeah. What's going on here? And that was the reason, that's one of the reasons that they couldn't be secretive because they couldn't hide it. This one happens just in such a remote place of the okay. USSR that this one was kind of easier to hide. Hmm. And they, they did a good For job of it. 42 years, apparently. 42 years. But oh, we'll, we'll you get said into 89. From 50, 50, oh, you're right, 32 years. I'm thinking 99. Anyway, so for, mm-hmm. yes, for 32 years, people, some people knew about this, but they didn't officially acknowledge that it happened gotcha. for another 32 the years. The government didn't mm-hmm. acknowledge it. An exiled Soviet biologist named Zorez Medvedev rep- nice. <laughs> reported the incident in the British journal New Scientist in 1976, oh. but it was, of course, denied by the Soviet government. Mm-hmm. Other reports of the incident were published in the Western press. Western, in this case, meaning like Western Europe, like uh, Britain, okay. Sweden, France, places like that. Gotcha. In 1958 and 1959, mm-hmm. and were also disbelieved by Western governments because of the scope of the tragedy. So the governments huh. were like, if this really terrible thing happened, like we would have picked known. up on it. Something like mm. so. So for 32 years, the outside world and much of the Soviet Union was left unaware. The total number of deaths is still not, and let's face it, never yeah, will be, known. Yeah. The event occurred, and we're going to get into some, some Russian speak. Oh, okay. <laughs> so bear with me. Uh, are we in geography corner now? Uh, I didn't go to the place where it was because it actually uh, ties back to a disaster we did very early on. Oh, Dyatlov Pass? There you go. Ah. Same area. Okay. The event occurred in Ozyorsk. Chelyabinsk Oblast. Oblast, yes. <laughs> a closed city built around the Mayak plant. Okay. It measured as a level six disaster on the International Nuclear Event Scale, otherwise known as the INES. I've never heard of that. That's interesting. Making it the third most serious nuclear accident ever Ooh. behind the Fukushima Daiichi nuclear disaster in 2011. Mm-hmm. Which and is the, on our list, don't mm-hmm, worry. It is on our list. <coughs> and the Chernobyl disaster of 1986. Wow, so... Those are two big ones. So Those this were is just the, the one right behind right it. Right behind it. Uh, the two I just mentioned, uh, Fukushima and Chernobyl, were both level seven contamination. So, so it was pretty close, yeah. this one. Mm-hmm. 
At least 22 villages were exposed to radiation from the disaster, with a total population of around 10,000 people evacuated. Okay. Some were evacuated after a week, but it took almost two years for evacuations to occur at other sites. Oh, no. So they were exposed. Oh, yeah. People were exposed for years in some cases. And like like I said, like, this is such a... Nobody knew that this even happened for three decades. So... Can I ask, was it hard to research? Was there minimal Not really, because there are a couple of... um, The the one person I always already mentioned, Zoraz Medvedev, who I will get back to at the end of the story, Uh there were a couple of whistleblowers on this. Okay. But like I said, like it was, nobody really believed them because they're like, if something this bad had happened, like we would have known somehow. Mm -hmm. So. Which is understandable, but we're talking about Cold War era. Yes. Everything is. So. It's not like today where you could hack somebody's computer or get a satellite photo of. Or there's somebody there with a cell phone. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you wanted to be secretive in the 1950s, it was pretty easy to, to do so. Or honestly, today in Russia, where everyone seems to have a dash cam. So... Yes. And I know that there are, are good logical reasons for that. I know that um, uh, insurance scams are a big mm-hmm. thing. That's, that's the, the main reason yeah, for that's those. That's what I've heard, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. It would be kind of fun to have a dash cam. I think so, too. Yeah. Yes, I do think so. Maybe we can it get would have been It would have been great for my 12-car uh, pileup. Oh, man. <laughs> Would have been frightening. Would you want to rewatch an accident? I, it's already in? it's already in my head, but it's in my head at super slow motion. I guess I'd want to yeah. see what it what it actually like looked mm. like in reality, not from my perspective. <laughs> but uh, so this disaster spread hot particles, uh, hot particles which are microscopic pieces of radioactive material mm-hmm. that could be lodged in living tissue over oh. more than twenty thousand square miles. Jesus. Or. <laughs> 52,000 square kilometers. Very good. Where at least 270,000 people are believed to have been exposed. Wow. That's a lot. I don't remember what Chernobyl... I Like I said, I don't remember anything we do after we do it. The official death count, death toll of Chernobyl well, is like 36. I don't mean death toll. I mean right. affected. Because you just said 270,000 sure. affected. I don't remember what Chernobyl it af- was. It affected parts of Europe, too. I mean, there are... But, but anyway. Like, anyway, yeah. That's that's a different. We already did Chernobyl, so yeah, fair enough. <laughs> if you want to know more about it, listen get, to our get HBO <laughs> or listen to our podcast or ask Abby for her password. That's what yes. we did. <laughs> Thank you, Abby. <laughs> Since uh, Ozoyarsk uh, Mayak, the so, area so Mayak is the name of the plant. Ozoyarsk is okay. kind of the name of the region, but it's unofficial. Okay, um, which I'll get into here. Okay. Uh, which was originally named Chelyabinsk Forty. Forty being the postal code. Oh, okay. Then Chelyabinsk 65, again, the okay. postal code just changed, until 1994 when it became Ozersk, as what the uh, okay. uh, city where this or area this took place is known as today. Okay. So, since this nuclear plant was not marked on maps, the disaster was named after Kishtim, which was the nearest known town. Okay. Okay. That, that makes sense that... that uh, a lot of disasters are kind of come to be associated with a, a place, even sure. if they affect much larger swaths sure. or whatever. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So the buildup to the disaster goes as follows. So the nuclear reactors and plutonium processing plant of the Kishtim Industrial Complex are believed to have been believed to have been built because nobody really knows. Oh well, yeah. Between 1945 and 1948, just after World War II. Gotcha. So this was an immediate. Oops. What did I do? <laughs> I hit something. <laughs> I don't think. I think you're good. Oh, okay. You're good. We accidentally hit a he, yeah, hit yeah, a move, key here. Move oh, that away. The keyboard. <laughs> Get that keyboard there away. There we from go. Me. <laughs> it is still recording. It appears. <laughs> So yes, the factory is believed to have been built during this time. So basically, like as a direct, like the USSR was like, okay, let's get on her. Well, the USSR, we saw what the United States did to um, Nagasaki and Hiroshima. That's a whole other story, but oh. which we'll probably never get into because I kind of consider that a, a war crime. But, oh. I, but anyway, oh, you mean the <clears throat> atomic bombs? Yes. Oh yeah, we're never yeah. covering no. those. Those are clear. Um, I would consider it a war crime. I, I understand that interpretations are different, but very deliberately human caused. Mm-hmm. It was, um, I was, oh, Abby suggest or was asking about a topic like, hey, would you guys ever cover this? And, and, oh, it was the Tuskegee, um, Tuskegee Airmen. 
N- no, the uh, the um, syphilis experiments. Anyway, um, not, they not familiar with that one. Oh, it's hor- horrific. I'm, I'm sure but it they, is. Um, they basically for well, I don't I don't know if it was through deception or force or both, but they. I'm gonna used, go with both. But they used African Americans. Like to deliberately give them syphilis for experiments. Oh, it was deliberate then. I mean, we've done that. Well, no, no, no. Yeah. I, I, I'm, I, I know it was deliberate. I'm saying, but I don't know if it was by force or deception. But anyway, I actually don't know a huge amount about it. But I'm gonna go with force. She was like, it was pretty horrible. Would you consider? I was like, it's definitely a disaster. Like as far as a horrible thing, but because it was people doing something deliberately purpose, bad to somebody else, yeah. So, but the the line does get blurry sometimes. Yeah, it does. So, it does. But I would say no. The the H bombs being dropped on. Um, yeah, we'll never cover that. No, those um, are those are war crimes. I would say. Um, Same as the Holocaust. It's a horrible thing. It's a war crime. It, it it's a it's definitely an all bad thing as far as a disaster goes. But yeah, we wouldn't cover it. So this plant was built between 1945 and 1948 Mm -hmm. uh, for the Soviet program to develop nuclear weapons and nuclear power. So basically exactly what the Cold War was about. (laughs) Yes, really. I mean, yeah. Although this was dual purpose. Mm -hmm. They were also using nuclear power, Mm -hmm. nuclear energy. Well, we'll we'll get into all of that. Okay. The secret nuclear facility was called Mayak, but was more widely known by the code name Chelyabinsk 40, which is the postal postal code. code. Because mail to the plant and its workers had to be addressed to Post Office Box 40 in Chelyabinsk, a large city 55 miles, or (laughs) 90 kilometers, from Kishtim. Okay. The facility was located on the eastern slopes of the central Ural Mountains. Oh, yeah, I remember the Ural Mountains. That is where a lot of Mm -hmm. gas happened. And nearby lakes provided a water supply for reactor cooling and also served as repositories for nuclear waste. Ooh. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Well, the pace of the Soviet nuclear program was so hurried and its technology yeah. so new that conditions were chronically unsafe for both workers and people mm. in the nearby communities. Gaps in Soviet scientists' knowledge about nuclear physics at the time made it difficult to judge the safety of many decisions and, environment and, and environmental concerns were not taken seriously during the early development stage. Say it with me. No shit. Um... So it something that's sort of standing out to me in contrast to Chernobyl and Fukushima, although I, ha- I don't know a ton about Fukushima yet because we haven't researched it, but is that maybe it's less about like errors and maybe a little more about nobody knew what the fuck they were doing. It's a little bit of it's both. It's a little hasty. It's a little bit of both. And <laughs> this was done a little slipshod. I, I don't know about you, but I don't think you should necessarily be hasty with anything nope. that's nuclear. Nope. But again... The Soviets, who were our allies in World War II, lest we forget, who had just seen what we were capable of, they knew. Like, Mm. and the United States knew that once World War II was over, we're going to go back to hating the those commie bastards. And so they, they, like you said before, that's essentially what the Cold War was about: was an arms race. Yeah. Specifically, a nuclear arms race. Correct. Yeah. So. Initially, Mayak was dumping high-level radioactive waste into a nearby river, oh, no. which flowed to the river Obe, flowing farther down to the Arctic Ocean. Yeah, no mm. big deal. All six reactors were on Lake Kizeltash. Okay. Kizeltash. Kizeltash. Kizildash. Kizildash. There we go. See, you just have to say it with an accent. I just have to be Russian it's for a second. It's probably not a correct accent at all, but it sounds, it's its kind of a Borat accent. It is, but. a little bit. Well, he was close. He was from Kazakhstan. Which uh, I think most people didn't even know was a country until Borat came out. Right. Well, it was a, it was a satellite uh, nation of the Soviet Union. So anyway, close enough. Um, so the six reactors uh, used an open cycle cooling system discharging contaminated water directly back into the lake. Oh, wow. When Lake Kizutash quickly became contaminated, Lake Karache was used for open-air storage, keeping the contamination a slight distance from the reactors, (laughs) but soon making Lake Karache the, quote, most polluted spot on Earth. No shit. Wow. And that's saying something. Because we've polluted a lot of shit. This is, yeah, this is in the 19... the 1950s in America, we were polluting the fuck out of shit. Let alone the I, I can only imagine what they were doing over there. They're literally dumping nuclear waste into open water. 
that goes into an ocean. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> what we'll do for a, what we'll do for a buck or for uh, for uh, the veil of safety. You know, the irony of mankind might be that we just wipe ourselves out from what we think is keeping us safe. I'm pretty sure that's going to happen. It would it would serve us right. Yeah, yeah. I had that discussion with somebody at work last week. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> so basically, like I, I was just like. And if people out there disagree, that's that's fine. You write to your own opinion. My opinion is that human beings were an animal. Yes, are, I are we that. an advanced animal? Absolutely, we can do all sorts of things. But other animals can do all sorts of things that we cannot do. That's correct. Like run sixty miles an hour or dive bomb at two hundred miles an hour. Mm-hmm. Some other animals can fly. We cannot on our own do that. And that's what I was telling him. I was just like, I'm like, you know, when we wind up killing ourselves, that the Earth is just going to be thankful for it. Yeah, it's going to be fine. <laughs> yeah, the earth will be fine. Yeah. So a storage... Well, much, oh, sorry. Oh, okay, much go like, ahead. Much like Chernobyl, where the species have thrived because they don't... Because all the humans are yeah, gone. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Sorry. So a storage facility... <laughs> thank you for my uh, rant on the end of human civilization, anybody. <laughs> I also liked how you gave the, um, this is just my opinion, you're learning. It's very sweet. Damn, I did do that, didn't I? You did, I meant, and to, it was just, often. I meant to just throw it in your face. No, listeners. you didn't. You're very sweet. <laughs> so, a storage facility for liquid nuclear waste was added around 1953. That, that's good. Like, let's get so on that. So, at least they're like, not just dumping it in water. They're, they're like, yeah, <laughs> this this might cause a problem. <laughs> it consisted of steel tanks mounted in a concrete base, 27 feet, or <laughs> 8.2 meters mm-hmm. underground. Okay. Because of the high level of radioactivity, the waste was heating itself through decay heat, which yeah, is a term. I've heard of that. Uh, decay heat is uh, when the heat released when the heat is released as a result of radioactive decay. That makes sense. So it's breaking down, but because of the way the radioactive material breaks down, it actually generates heat. Mm-hmm. Though a chain. Ah, re- that was my yes, little pretend a, version of that. I no, that's not pretend. About. That's really what it is. Uh, though a chain reaction was not possible because a cooler was built around each bank containing 20 tanks, facilities for monitoring operation of the coolers and the content of the tanks were believed to be inadequate. Well, oh, there's a shock, because yeah. they don't know what they're doing with anything, apparently. I started to get into... I will, in a little bit later, get into a couple of fancy like science and shit kind of terms. <laughs> science and shit I terms. started to go down that road, and it mm. just was... Oh, I know. It was just hurting my brain. So if you want to know more about nuclear uh, energy. energy through a podcast, go back to our episode, episode one, one of, of Chernobyl, <laughs> where we explain things we have no fucking clue what we're talking about. And if You're you wanna, explaining things. Well, <laughs> that I don't remember now. Yes. But if you really want to learn science through a podcast, listen to Star Talk Radio by Neil deGrasse Tyson, because he's an who actual wants to, Who physicist. wants to do that? <laughs> learn it through just two people who don't know what the fuck they're talking about. <laughs> This is this is the year 2019. Everybody learns something from somebody who knows what the doesn't know what the fuck they're talking about. But David, we just read from a Wikipedia article. <laughs> That's true. Well, this is a mix of there. I use like four different sources for this one. Wow. Um, this is there is there is some Wikipedia, of course, history. Uh, there is Encyclopedia Encyclopedia Britannica. Encyclopedia Britannica. Encyclopedia. <laughs> um, and what there was something else I used. Um, we will one remember. day cite our sources. Yeah. Just just let it be known that none of this is our own It's not. No, knowledge. So, no We've somebody, looked up everything. I did not go to this place and investigate myself. If you Google it, you'll find our sources. <laughs> yes. Whatever comes up on the first two pages. Um, also, everyone else is smarter than us, and we know that. For the most part. There are plenty of people who are smarter than me as far as science and shit goes. I think but, literally uh, everyone is smarter than me on yeah. science and shit. Um, Including Jesse Pinkman, the character. The cat. No, what else? Oh, the the character. Oh, the character. (laughs) So, after all of those things I just described. Yes, that makes so much sense. How could a tragedy possibly happen? (sighs) Who knows? Because no one knows what the fuck they're doing. That is actually kind of. That is actually part of it. They didn't fully know what they were doing. See, and that's. I feel like that's worse. Like, I feel You're like right. if you don't know... <laughs> then they wouldn't have even tried. <laughs> if you don't know something, and it's like, okay, we have to figure out how to do this. What do you do? You research the shit out of it, right? 
If you know all of it or are very well versed in it, then you can just do it correctly. If you know some of it, you're way more dangerous because you think you know enough to know how well, to do it, but you don't know how to do it right. Well, you're dangerous if you go forward with that somewhat knowledge. Exactly. That's the thing. If it, if, little, it, if it ends at I know it somewhat, then everything is still fine. What's the a little bit of knowledge is a dangerous thing? It can, certainly can be. You know, because then you think that you have enough knowledge when you really don't. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So now we are at the explosion. Oh, a full-blown... Ex- so we're not talking meltdown, we're talking explosion? Well, I mean, I think you can categorize... I, I think when they're saying <laughs> nuclear event, I think they're... I gotcha. Yeah. Uh huh. I think what I think the fires can result. Um, right. Yeah, because ex- Chernobyl exploded. It did. Right. Yeah. Yes. There was an actual reactor like, four. Yes, there was an actual combustion. Yeah, and I guess that's it. Yeah. Uh, it very similar happens in this. Okay. But it wasn't control rod related. I it guess was anything. not. Okay. They don't go into how because nobody knows. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. So some. Well, I mean, they they. I'll get there. Anyway. Okay. So sometime in 1957, the exact date of the following is not known. Really? So not even the date is known? Well, this is is the buildup. Oh, oh, okay. We have the date date for when this happens. Okay, okay. But this is sometime in 1957. Okay. The cooling system in one of the tanks containing about 70 to 80 tons of liquid radioactive waste failed and was not repaired. Ooh. The temperature in the tank started to rise over time, resulting in evaporation of the liquid waste consisting mainly of ammonium nitrate and ammonium acetates. Okay. What happens when these two things mix together? Oh, no. Boom. An explosion. Oh. The explosion on September 29th, 1957, is estimated to have a force of about 70 to 100 tons of TNT. Wow. And threw the 160-ton concrete lid into the air. It threw that massive containment lid. 160 tons. Okay, so to be clear, this isn't the reactor. No, this is not. This is the waste. Yes. I feel like that... That's definitely different I th- from Chernobyl. I almost think it's worse. Yes, it is. Well, that's what Fukushima, makes it... Fukushima, I'm not sure yet. That's what makes it... it but I guess that's what makes this not a nuclear meltdown, because it really wasn't. It it's was the waste. It's a disaster. Right. I had no idea. So I knew nuclear waste could fuck things up. Uh, but I always thought, like, you know, fishes growing extra limbs and um, birth defects... I never thought of the waste itself as inherently dangerous in like sure. an explosion manner. Well, I mean, it can be. Apparently, like if, yeah. well, I mean, because of the runaway heating, because they weren't cooling it and, properly. And what's in that waste? I mean, all kinds of. Sure, I just uh, didn't know. know. I, I didn't understand the chemical reactions that that could even happen. That's and that's frightening. Again, this is all speculation for the most. part. For the most part, there is no official record. But you said that they did. I will get around to that. I mean, there kind of is, Mm -hmm. but you know, this is for the most part, this is speculation. Okay, very Um, dodgy. Except for the explosion, everybody knows an an explosion happened. Okay, this is the speculation of how how it happened. happened. But still, that's terrifying to think it even can Mm -hmm. happen. That nuclear waste can explode. Could do this. Yes. This isn't the reactor. Nope. Wow. Okay, now get this. Uh-huh. There were no immediate casualties as okay. a result of the explosion. Again, I don't know how that happens. Well, maybe nobody... Well, there you might said have that not they been, built it underground, they did. right? Well, underground kind of off like of a, a bank. Yes. Yeah. So, so probably there, there just might not have been around. Remote, but still, yeah. a fucking explosion like that. Um, 70 to 100 tons of TNT. Yeah. yeah. And an explosion like that today would be even would be even worse. Mm-hmm. Um. So, again, there were no immediate immediate casualties as a result of the explosion, but it released an estimated 20 MCI, that is capital M, capital C, lowercase i, which is a unit of radioactivity. Okay. And 800 PBQ, which is capital P, capital B, lowercase q, which is a derived unit of radioactivity. Okay. Most of this can- okay. contamination settled out near the site of the accident and contributed to the pollution of the nearby Tekka River. Which probably had already been fucked over from the waste <laughs> exactly. that they put in it earlier, yeah. But a plume containing two MCI and 80 PBQ of uh, radionuclides spread out over hundreds of kilometers. So I'm guessing that just means a shit ton. 
Yes, a lot of radiation so escaped into the air. a bunch of radiation in a plume mm-hmm. in the air. Yep. It's like a, a cloud. Yeah, well, that's one of the first scenes they show in the miniseries yeah. Chernobyl is that cloud yeah, headed, up, headed right towards, yeah. um, what was the name of the town? You watched it. Something. Pripyat. Pripyat. <laughs> Pripyat, that's true, yes. Um, and killing everything in its wake. Mm. Well, that's right. Should the grass like mm-hmm. dying? The trees yeah. dying. All the forest mm. animals dying. Yeah. Did I already mention that one of our listeners put up um, on the discussion group, which you can join? All bad things discussion group. I can add you now. Um, uh, trigger warning times where animals. It's only in the, animal it's violence. Only in that fourth episode. I'm. It doesn't matter. She gave. No, I know, but I'm just she saying. She gave specific like times to skip. Sure. So I thought that was super helpful. Yeah. So I mean, join the join the group if you want to see those. And, yeah. yeah, the fourth episode. That I mean, that was hard to watch. I'm not um, watching that shit. I'm sorry. No, like, that's that's uh, fine. Um, but uh, I don't eat animals for a reason. <laughs> the f- the funny thing about that, and we did. I remember we did bring this up in our uh, research that we did. Mm-hmm. Kind of the funny thing about it was now they over dramatized it for tv mm-hmm. but remember they uh, the miners had to go in and dig a tunnel underneath to get to one of the reactors vaguely remember that it did happen but it was and it I was did the research <laughs> it was but it was like 50 degrees celsius underneath oh, there yeah, uh-huh. so it says in the research and it says like on stuff i've looked up so they all were working without their shirts on oh, because it was so and they gotcha. couldn't use fans because that would, would just, just fan yeah. out all the particles in the tv series mm-hmm. whether this happens or not they all dig the tunnel trench completely nude. Okay. They're all naked. Well, which was kind of funny. There was some dramatization. Like I'm yes. sorry, but like just touching someone who had already been decontaminated isn't going to kill your baby. I read that they like intimated that that happened. And that In the bullshit. very first episode, though, when the when the firefighters are all being admitted into the hospital, and the one nurse is like, mm-hmm. "We have to get their clothing off them." Yes, that's decontamination. That clothing. Still is in that pile they threw it in, and the it, the readings it gets are mm-hmm. fucking off the charts. In the, I mean, yes, and mm-hmm. in the TV series, I don't know if that's what actually happened. Like, no, if it, they it, kept they yeah. could have decontaminated the clothing. No, no, I'm saying I saw this on a documentary. Oh, you see, uh, anyway, yeah. we should probably stop. Yes, talking we about should. Chernobyl. I'm, sorry. I'm really kind of sick of it. Chernobyl <laughs> gets you some. Um, uh, if anybody's seen Hot Tub Time Machine, get you some Chernobyl energy drink. Anyway. <laughs> So, so we were at, we're at uh, this contamination. It spread Just out mass, the plume, mm-hmm. the plume, and mainly into the Tekka River. Right. So uh-huh. that's uh, what, no. You said that a bunch of it went in the Tekka River, mm-hmm. but then there was also a plume. Oh yes, that goes. So tell me about the plume. Yep. So in the next ten to eleven hours, the radioactive cloud moved towards the northeast, reaching one hundred and ninety to two hundred twenty miles, or. <laughs> 300 to 350 kilometers from the accident. Okay. The fallout of the cloud resulted in a long-term contamination of an area more than 310, and this is all an estimation, yeah. to 7,720 7, square miles. Wow. Or 800 to 20,000 square kilometers. Wow. This area is now commonly referred to as the East Ural Radioactive Trace. Okay, so that's like a zone, right? Like mm-hmm. the like the Chernobyl zone? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because that doesn't just go away over time. No, it does not. Yeah. Um, it's better now. I will get into that. Right, gotcha. Uh, so that's really all we know about the actual explosion. There's so not... a date and a, a speculation about how it happened. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's and, not a whole lot. And that... That it was from waste versus mm-hmm. a reactor actual meltdown. Yep. Okay. I find that to be the most fascinating part of this. Well, story. when I was re- I was just like, well, I guess it's not a meltdown because yeah, it because no, it did not occur. Yes, because it did not occur in a reactor. It, yeah. it occurred in a cooling tank. A waste um, receptacle, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we're at the aftermath. So okay. a lot of people know about this because you can still get the effects of this years sure, later. Sure. Sure. Because of the secrecy surrounding Mayak, which again is the mm-hmm. nuclear power plant, the populations of affected areas were not initially informed of the accident. Mm. Shocker. Yeah. I know. A week later, on October 6th, 1957, an operation for evacuating 10,000 people from the affected area started, all, <clears throat> started Excuse me. 
although civilians were not given an official explanation of why. So they waited a full week to get anybody out of there. Mm-hmm. And and then they like wouldn't even say what. Like, just, hey, pack up your shit. Let's go. Nope. We're not going to tell you why. You got to remember, this is Soviet no, Russia. No, I gotcha. In the, in the late 50s. You fucking do what you're told. Frankly, it sounds like they learned a bit about from this for Chernobyl. And I'm the one bringing it back up. But, <laughs> like, because this was almost 30 years before... And but let's remember, for Chernobyl, they didn't start evacuating, evacuating people until two days later. And it's they, better than a week. <laughs> it is. <laughs> it's not good, but it's better. Than it a is, week. but they all knew like how bad this mm-hmm. was. So, yeah. But yeah, I mean, a week later, it's like, okay, you're gonna get on this bus. Like, why? We're not gonna tell you. Just get on the bus. But yeah, you this know. is literally Cold War era USSR. They mm-hmm. they just do what you do. What you're you told. have to do what you're, the state tells you. Yeah. yeah. Vague reports of a catastrophic accident causing radioactive fallout over mm. the Soviet, <clears throat> excuse me, Soviet Union and many neighboring states began appearing in the Western press. Uh. Between and again, when I'm using the word Western, I'm meaning Western, Western Europe. Europe. Yeah. Uh, between April 13th and April 14th, so uh, of 1950, the following year. 1958. So about six and a half months wow. later, there are some rumblings, of, rumblings of what's going on. Well, because it's probably some no. <laughs> There were workers at that plant, mm-hmm. so not everybody's going to keep their mouth shut, and mm-hmm. eventually it's going to get to somebody. Apparently, it took a very long time, It did. Too. It initially took six and a half months. Mm-hmm. Um, the first details emerged in the Viennese. Okay. I meant so to look that Is Vienna, is that, uh, that's Austria, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. I meant to look that up, I remember. So, so yes, in the Viennese paper, Die Presse. <laughs> well, that was very good. <laughs> On March seventeenth, nineteen fifty nine. <clears throat> oh, fifty nine. Mm-hmm. So the so there were rumors six months later, but it took almost a year and a half later for it to get press coverage. Well, I mean, it does on April thirteenth and fourteenth, nineteen fifty eight. Oh, it did originally. Okay. Um, and then this in uh, fifty nine. Right, almost 59. a year later in uh, March fifty nine. Mm-hmm. But it was only in 1976, 19, 19 years later. That the aforementioned Zoraz Medvedev uh-huh. made the nature and extent of the di- of the disaster known wow. to the world. In the absence of verifiable information, what people believed to be exaggerated accounts of the disaster were given by Medvedev. So, hmm. so it's almost maybe the tabloid version, or just people. It was like, yeah, this happened. This happened 19 years ago. How would we not know about this? It's the, hmm. you know, it's the. People can't quite wrap their heads well, around it. Sure, this is weird. That would be like if they were like, "Oh yeah, you know, in in the year two thousand, all this crazy shit went down somewhere," and and you'd just be like, "What? Yeah. Why didn't we know?" It'd be really confusing. Yeah, It'd be really absolutely. Confusing. Um, I should have said uh, wild. Sorry about that. I'm working on that. Policing my own language because I want to. So this is a quote from Medvedev. People grew hysterical with fear with the incidence of unknown mysterious diseases breaking out. Oh, yeah. Victims were seen with skin now sloughing? Sloughing. Sloughing Mm -hmm. off their faces, hands, and other exposed parts of their bodies. I know what sloughing is as a longtime acne sufferer. Oh, okay. (laughs) It just means sloughing is like basically coming off, like Mm -hmm. your skin coming off in, in more... You know our skin comes off all the time, right? Mm-hmm. Like yeah. just very, very gradually and microscopically. Um, but my guess is what they mean in this case, skin sloughing off is like falling, falling off. off. Yeah, which is horrific. Or peeling off like a sunburn constantly. Mm-hmm. That would be horrible. Medvedev's description of the disaster in The New Scientist, which I mentioned before as well, was initially derided... Ooh. By Western nuclear industry sources. So they were like, no, this is this like, not this, how this can't happen. happen. No, like this, no. Because again, the three biggest nuclear disasters in 1976 haven't happened yet. Three, That's right. Three Mile Island was in 1979. Uh, you well, had Chernobyl in 86. That wasn't even one of the, the top three Three Mile Island. Oh, no, I understand. I'm... You just mean the, the most well known. Yeah. The most no, well known. Chernobyl definitely haven't had, hadn't happened. Fukushima was years yes. away. So this was kind of the first, right? And I did look up. I was gonna get into this a little bit. I decided to cut it out. But there okay. have been like seventy some instances of a nuclear accident. Oh, gotcha. But just to much lesser. But the extent. one that the one that put the one that really put 
how harmful nuclear energy could be on the map was Three Mile Island. And oh then when God. Chernobyl happened seven years later, it was like, holy fuck, right. like, what are we doing? And to be clear, it's not nuclear energy that is harmful. It's the process that can be dangerous, especially when not properly and consistently carried out. Or in this case, the waste. Just yes, the waste yes, very, from... Although, granted, these are very early days. Because before, they were just shoving it in the river. Yeah. <laughs> and and ironically, because they were actually trying to contain it, that's what caused the problem. Pretty much. They're just doing yeah. a piss poor job at it. The core of his story was soon confirmed by Professor Leo Tumerman, former head of the biophysics mm-hmm. laboratory at the Engelhart Institute of Mo- Molecular Bi- Biology in <laughs> Moscow. Holy Christ. So, Molecular Biology Leo Tumerman, former head of the biophysics laboratory at the Engelhart Institute of Molecular... Oh, God damn it. <laughs> molecular Biology in Moscow. I tried it twice and fucked how it up far, both times. How far are you into this beer? You like always- three quarters. Yeah. And it's a pint. And it's ten percent. Mine's only a five point four. Molecular biology. Molecular I just, biology. I just had to say it slow. That's all. Molecular biology. <laughs> I'm not going to try again. <laughs> the true number of fatalities remains uncertain sure. because radiation-induced cancer is clinically indistinguishable from any other cancer. That's really creepy. I mean, it makes sense because you, why would you know? You, and you use radiation to fight off certain types of cancer. That's true. Radiation so, is used for in the treatment of cancer. That's very true. And its incidence rate can only be measured through epidemiological. Epidemiological. I was almost there. Ep- or epidemiological. <laughs> epidemiological. No, you had it. You had it. Epidemiological. I it epidemiological. Yes, I screwed it up. I'm not trying again. <laughs> epidemiological. There you go. That thing. <laughs> Studies. One book claims that in 1992, a study conducted by the Institute of Biophysics at the former Soviet Health Ministry at Chelyabinsk Chelyabinsk. found that 8,015 people had died within the preceding 32 years as a result of the accident. So by the time they actually acknowledged it happened... yeah. Potentially 8,015 people have died. I'm going to go ahead and say, yeah, probably more. Uh, it, it could. That's. Mm, yeah, the disasters had, where it's unknown is really you had hard. You had roughly a quarter million people exposed to this. Right. So for 8,000 of 32 like, years yeah. later, yeah, there's going to be. A, yeah, probably the low end, huh? I, of the estimate. That's what I would guess. By contrast, only 6,000 death certificates have been found for residents of the Tekka Riverside between 1950 and 1982 from all causes of death. Though though perhaps the Soviet study considered a larger geographic area. Well, they should because it traveled. Affected by the airborne plume. That's right, the plume. The most commonly quoted estimate is 200 deaths due to cancer, but the origin of this number is not clear. And it's 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 complete bullshit. bullshit. yeah. Yeah. More recent uh, epidemiological studies suggest that around Ooh. 49 to 55 can- cancer deaths among Riverside residents can be associated to radiation exposure. That's still... S- this yeah. would include the effects of all radioactive releases into the river, 98% of which happened long before the 1957 yeah. accident, because yeah. again, they were just dumping the shit in there. Uh-huh. But it would not include the effects of the airborne plume that was carried northeast. Uh-huh. The area closest to the accident produced 66 diagnosed cases of chronic radiation syndrome, providing the bulk of the data about this condition. So again, okay. it's, it's really up in the air. We're no never going to know. It's yeah. true. Yes. <laughs> Very funny. Thank you. I didn't mean, no, I didn't mean didn't. to, but yeah. So again, there's... This is all just... Everything is just, it's just a guess. It's just a guess. We know that people had to have died. Because of this. Well, and in fact, As a there are some this. that are proven direct, mm-hmm. but still. Yeah, you'll mm-hmm. you'll never know. Those are those are kind of the maddening disasters, aren't they? Well, especially this one because the ripple effects. They're putting this whole thing together without completely knowing what they're doing, right. which was also again to bring it up, which was also a problem with Chernobyl. Mm-hmm. Their nuclear <clears throat> their nuclear power plants were not like ours. Don't you mean nuclear? No, I do not mean nuclear. <laughs> <laughs> that's what our right. that's what our dipshit forty third president of the United States would say, but anyway, so they had, and that was the, in the um, uh, in the 
trying to find out what happened with Chernobyl, that was one of the problems. The investigation. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, Jesus, this thing is almost gone. Yes, yeah, so let's move on. So, but that was, but that yeah. was a problem with Chernobyl too. They sure. didn't completely know what they were doing. Well, and frankly, anything where there's like a contaminant mm-hmm. directly figuring out the effects is literally impossible. Exactly. Legitimately because, impossible, because, let alone... Because in, who are you going to throw into that grinder to study? Right, yeah. Y- it's not something you can study, really. Let alone, you know. let alone in Soviet Russia. Yeah. So... Well, yeah. there they would gladly throw somebody in to, like, we're going to throw well, you into this <laughs> vat of nuclear waste and let's see what happens. No, I mean, like, how do you, how can you tell who was affected by it? Exactly. It, it, it's just, yeah. It's all speculation. Yeah. So to reduce the spread of radioactive contamination after the accident, contaminated soil was excavated and stockpiled in fenced enclosures that were called graveyards of the earth. Oh, jeez, that's creepy. It is. The Soviet government in 1968 disguised the EURT, remember the East Ural Radioactive Trace. Right, right, the, the area. By creating the East Ural Nature Reserve. <laughs> Which pro- no. which prohibited no, 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 no. which prohibited any unauthorized access to the affected er- affected area because we don't want to disturb the animals. <laughs> yeah, they're all nature preserved. All the Russian bears and all the <laughs> cats and preserved. things and whatever they have panthers. Do they have foxes? Probably. No idea. They have bears. I know that. <laughs> what do they have in the Ural Mountains? Uh, well, they have weird things that. Uh, kill people on a skiing tour or something, whatever oh, the uh, Jatlov Pass. Yes. So, according to Alexei Georgi, 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 <laughs> who invoked the Freedom of Information Act to gain oh. access to the relevant Central Intelligence Agency oh, or CIA, CIA files, the CIA had known of the 1957 oh, Mayak incident since 1959. But kept okay. it secret to prevent uh, adverse consequences for the fledgling American nuclear industry. Oh. Starting in 1989, the Soviet government gradually declassified documents mm. pertaining to the disaster. Wow. And Almost that, 30 years later. Mm-hmm, and that, my friends, mm-hmm. was the Kishtim disaster. Yeah. Nuclear waste explosion, basically. It, most likely, or speculatively. Speculatively, yes. Wow. We know there was an explosion. Uh, most likely from from the waste, from the uh, uh, from the cooling tanks. Right. Because uh, one cooling tank uh, became ineffective, Broke and then they, and and then they, they didn't just didn't it. repair it. Yeah. So, so, is it just me, or does like every Russian disaster we cover include an awful lot of like? Well, we think, or it may have. If and- it happened in the Soviet <laughs> area, then yes. Yeah. Because that's all there is. Yeah. You know. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's, the the waste part of it is very interesting, though. Back to the USSR, you know how lucky you are, boy. Back to the US, back to the US, back to the USSR. (laughs) 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 No, you still have some left. I do have some left. See, I figured you would only do something like that. After I'm almost done with the Timber Center, I'm almost there. And it's back in the USSR, just so you know. Whatever. Well, two in. There's. No. I guess at the time it was back in because nobody had ever been to it while it was the USSR. He, uh, McCartney, did actually play in the USSR. He did. Choba. I remember. CCTP um, or whatever. I remember in the era of Glasnost, which when I was a little kid, um, which Glasnost, do you know what that is? I've heard of it, but I don't. It know. is the Russians, the, the Soviets, being a little bit more open with their culture. Um, I remember Billy like Joel trying to trying build to, some bridges. Yes, pretty much. Yes, um, I remember it was on HBO. Billy Joel played a concert there in like 1988 or 89. That's pretty. Um, yeah, that that was kind of a thing. Sort of the cultural exchange. Mm-hmm. And of... Metallica played there in 1988 to. What they've said is the biggest audience they've ever had. They well, Lars Ulrich an, can suck it, so. Whatever. But they said that there was about 500,000 people there for their show. It was part of uh, the Monsters of Rock tour. Oh. For the record, that's because he was against Napster, that's all. <laughs> well, he is kind of a... No, anyway. He is a little bit of a douche. Um, 
What did I call him? Niels Larson. <laughs> Nils Nils, Larson. Nils Larson. <laughs> is Nils Larson going to be in I this? I kind of forget his name sometimes. Anyway, that was very interesting. I had not heard of the Kishtim disaster. Hardly anybody has. Yeah. It, and I don't remember how I came across it. Hmm. Probably th- in one of your retro reports or something. Those are very I don't informative. I think so. I want to say I was coming across it when I was looking up shit about Chernobyl mm, during the probably. miniseries. That's, mm-hmm. uh, that's probably why. But it's it, it's but either it, that or Jimmy Dore, so probably. I don't think it was on there. <laughs> no, I'm just um, saying, like, what do you consume? If it's not the urinating tree, Jimmy Dore. Young Turks. <laughs> young Turks. Well, I, uh, SB Nation. I've got a lot of things I go through. I've got, like, <laughs> well, we, we were talking about in our, uh, uh, our Q&A, like mm-hmm. the podcast we listen to. <clears throat> Joe Rogan, you listen to. I listen to just a couple. My main thing is YouTube channels. Yeah, you're, I, you I are follow. A I follow a lot of uh, YouTube people that are that are pretty funny. Um, again, I think I mentioned this in the last one, but I cannot recommend factually enough. The yeah, I still haven't uh, bothered Adam to go ahead. Adam ruins everything. Adam, Adam I don't, Conover. Okay, yeah. I don't remember his last name. It's fascinating. I have bought two books already. From, he, was, uh, he was on Joe Rogan recently, and I still he? I still haven't listened. He was on there like a month or two okay. ago. Okay, um, from his, the people he's interviewed, and it's all very interesting, very fascinating. But yeah, so. yeah. So when I came across this and it said uh, the worst nuclear disaster you've never heard of, yeah, I was, that's um, very intriguing. That's, I was immediately intrigued. I was mm-hmm. like, how could you have never heard of it? Oh, it's because it happened in the Soviet Union in, in 1957. And the details on it are sketchy at best. But the but I will say that the um, the waste part of it is very interesting. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. yeah. So that was the. Let me see if I, let me see if oh, I can do it okay. without looking. Christian disaster. No. no? You were what? close. The, you almost said the Christian disaster, which Christian. that's that's a, that's another topic. What's the Christian? <laughs> I said you also you almost said the Christian disaster. Oh no, no, no. that's still ongoing. <laughs> The Kishtim disaster. I just added an R in it. Um, and this has been another Pinterfield episode of All Bad Things. I'm Rachel. I'm David. Oh, we'll see you next week. And? Know your exits. It's not offensive on this one. Not on this yeah. one.